0: Welcome to Living a Maintenance Life. I'm the host and creator, Carlos Damian, a.k.a. Los AFFA. This podcast is about our Shogun Warriors. It's about their stories, their perspectives, and insight into their lives. My hopes for this podcast is to have conversations with different maintenance pros from across our group in order to learn each other better. Over my career, I've served as a maintenance pro, MTI, and first sergeant. I've met amazing people from across the globe, But right here and now, I get the privilege to serve with 2,400 maintenance professionals. Here are some of our conversations. Welcome to Living a Maintenance Life. I'm Carlos Damian, aka Los AF Jefe. One of the most inspirational leaders in our group is my next guest. He's motivational. He's inspirational. And without further ado, please introduce yourself.
1: Hey, good morning. Um, Major Alex Pagano uh, just left the 18th Maintenance Group and currently the commander of the 353rd Special Operations Aircraft Maintenance Squadron. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
0: Where are you originally, because you say you're East Coast, where are you originally from?
1: I grew up in, a sm- in, in New Jersey, a town called Randolph, New Jersey, dead center of North New Jersey. You went to college somewhere different, something completely different. I, you, know,
0: you think you're going to go to Rutgers or something, somewhere on the East Coast. Where'd you go?
1: Yeah, so, you know, Rutgers or University of New Hampshire or somewhere in Boston is where all the smart kids go. That was not me, right? I graduated high school with a 2.6 GPA, uh, so I decided to go to a very prestigious school out west, uh, Arizona State University. How has growing up in New Jersey influenced you? Well, I think, first of all, uh, you know, a majority of people from New Jersey, right, when you think of it, or people from New York, a lot you think of Italians, Uh, And so my family uh, is Italian, and so we have a really sarcastic humor, uh, speak really fast, right? And and the way that we show love to one another is by making fun of each other. Uh, And so we might be poking fun at you, uh, but in reality, that's our way of showing that, hey, we we appreciate you. We respect you. Uh, And so the people we're meanest to are the people we love the most. So one of the questions I like to ask is for your favorite quote, your favorite song or favorite movie and why? The thing my dad told me uh, before leaving for college is the thing that has influenced my life the most uh, and I think has given me the most opportunity out of anything else. Right before I left for college. I think I was, I was out hanging out with one of my friends one night, and I was an ice hockey player in, in high school, and I don't think I wanted to go to practice the next day, right? I was out late on a Friday night or Saturday night, early morning practice, 6 a.m., let's say, and I didn't want to get out of bed. And my dad just said, hey, Alex, the hardest part in life is showing up. And, and this was just before uh, I graduated high school and went to college. And, f- and for whatever reason, you know, that morning, um, didn't want to get out of bed, but I just said, I just got to show up. I just got to get out of bed and I got to get there. And I took that to college because when I went to college, especially at a big state school like Arizona State University, a lot of my friends didn't have an issue with, you know, missing class. If they had you know if they had a late night or they're out partying with their friends. Uh, it wasn't a big issue for them to miss class the, the, the next morning. And I was doing Air Force ROTC. And so we had early mornings. We had PT at 530 in the morning. We had uh, leadership uh, classes uh, at 6 in the morning. I was, you know... You know, to midnight, 1 a.m. But I said, if I did that, if I was gonna have fun, I had to show up in the morning. And I could keep having fun as long as I continued to show up. So throughout all four years of college, never missed a single class. I did everything extra to show up Monday through Friday, sometimes on the weekends. If there were volunteer opportunities, I said, you know what? I'm gonna show up. And as I did that, and and as I continue to make that a habit of mine, I started to you know, pay attention to why I was showing up. If I can show up, I might as well contribute. And that was like the next step for me: getting beyond just being there, being present around around other people, uh, and decide to actually contribute to what was going on uh, and be part of the conversation. And then after making that a habit for a little while, every time, anytime you may be in a group solving problems or doing something hard, there are some people in that group that say, you know, that's dumb or that's impossible. Uh, Or sometimes that they just have a negative attitude about being there. And I said, if I'm going to show up and I'm going to contribute, I'm going to contribute in a positive way. And I've always just, you know, since then, everything I've done, uh, wanted to influence the conversation, the group in a positive way if I was going to be there. And I think that laid the foundation for everything else in my life. Uh, And it started right there in in probably high school. And it's grown and, and snowballed since then. So you keep adding on to that. I do. How does your family growing
0: up in New Jersey with your father as an ice hockey player, how does that, how does your family
1: influence you and how they supported you throughout your career? One of the first things that comes to my mind is the sacrifice my parents had for things like playing uh, ice hockey. You know, my my dad worked early mornings in the city and traveled a lot. Practices are sometimes at midnight. Uh, they're sometimes at 5 a.m. My mom drove me ice hockey practice before school at 4.30. And, and she would sleep in the car i've always watched my parents sacrifice to make sure that we were getting the things that we just wanted we didn't even need these things these are the things that we just enjoyed and wanted to do and they gave up so much for it so much of their time for it so much of their sleep for it uh, and i can't thank them enough for that uh, it's also the reason i'm in the air force i don't have any background whatsoever in the military no one in my family I know is is in the military. Probably the one of the most interesting stories is uh, my father was in the World Trade Center on September 11th. He was on the 63rd floor of the first tower to get hit. From that moment, when I was in seventh grade, I knew that the military was something I wanted to pursue. I combined that with my love of airplanes. Ended up being the Air Force was, was then the direction I wanted to go since that day.
0: That's got to be, a, I mean, obviously it's a life-altering experience for your family. Of having your father in the World Trade Center as it was hit, how did that translate when you decided to make that decision? How was that? How was that conversation?
1: It was an easy conversation. My parents have always supported me with anything I wanted to do, and I spent weekends, you know, at Barnes and Noble reading ma- magazines about aircraft uh, as opposed to, to doing other things. Right? Like me and my me and my one friend who's actually in the Air Force and who's an intel officer uh, right now that I went to high school with. You know, that, that's what we would do. We would go read about airplanes and read about, like, the new antennas installed on an F-16 <laughs> uh, or, you know, the, the new version of whatever was coming out. Uh, and that was the way that, that we had fun. And so it was a, a buildup of passion over time where eventually there was just no other choice. Uh, it, it was so natural to pursue Air Force ROTC and pursue military. Kind of Im- embedded in you at a young age though it, it
0: was, so you met a lot of maintainers along the way. I mean, you're getting ready to take over as your first command. Who's a, who's the most influential maintainer that you've ever met?
1: There's someone I've been reflecting a lot on recently, and that's because he just passed away uh, last month after a battle with cancer. 11 May, he passed away. Chief Casey Os- Osmanovich. Uh, I was with him in Korea uh, when I was in AMU OIC of the 36th AMU. What he taught me, uh, you know, working with him, Korea can be an incredibly stressful Place to be stationed. But he had the best attitude uh, and was able to joke in any environment. But yet he was so credible and so good at his job. He was absolutely inspirational to the airmen. And even in the toughest of times, he would get in front of people and he would smile. He would make a joke. He would break the ice. Right. And and it was the definition of water off a duck's back. You know, as a, a young captain at that time, that's where I learned from the most. And I I watched him be himself, uh, no matter what was going on around him. And and I wanted to be the the same since then.
0: You just explained a great maintainer. What are some other characteristics that make a good maintainer? What makes a good maintainer?
1: Being bold. I I think we all have to practice being ourselves because if you're not, the job can eat at you. It can be a lot of stress. It can be long hours. We can all... If we work at it, learn to be a good crew chief. If you're an officer, we can all practice to be a good leader and do the right things. But how are we going to respond in the toughest of situations under the most pressure? And can we do it day after day? This is a marathon, not a sprint. Unless we can truly be ourselves every single day under that pressure, I don't think we're going to last long in a a job like this. Uh, and the trade off is incredibly rewarding if if you can do both as
0: well said that's a nail on the head
1: there you co- you grew up a lot
0: of, a lot of other career fields they grew up in these a little bit smaller sections smaller flights smaller squadrons you've never really had that luxury in maintenance uh as a as a flight line professional for the most part you've you've seen this wide open space You've got a chance to have a lot of peers. You've had a lot of chance, uh, had a chance to have a lot of airmen that work for you, and you've worked for quite a few people now. What do you value most in a peer? What do you value most in a subordinate? And what do you value
1: most in a supervisor? The thing I value most in a peer is collaboration over competition. For some reason, especially in maintenance, uh, when you have a lot of peers, <clears throat> there are people. Of similar rank, um, we tend to fall into this environment where we want to outperform our peers, and and sometimes it's I want to outperform them because they screwed up, not because I did so well. And so I've seen people root for someone else to do poorly so that they look better. I think that hurts everyone. It hurts me because, you know, we can't be friends now. At least there's no true connection there. It hurts the organization because we're not teaching each other or learning from each other. Peers can get together and say, this is my strength. This is how I fit in and how I can help you. Uh, This is how you can help me. And I'm not worried about who's better. I'm worried about us being great. That is what I value the most. Where, you know, we used to pick someone and go, hey man, this month, everything you do, we're going to highlight in front of the boss. Uh, and every time That's every awesome. every time I get an opportunity in front of the boss, I'm going to talk about you and everyone else will too, right? And then next month, we'll talk about someone else and all the great things that they're doing because without a doubt, everyone is doing incredible things. Uh, and sometimes we just don't highlight it and, and talk about it. Uh, and, and most people don't want to talk about their own successes. And we recognize that. Uh, and so let's all make each other as successful as possible. Subordinates, recognize your superpower. Uh, and, and oftentimes it's something you're passionate about, and then go after it, right? Get in front of people, pursue your own goal, pursue the thing that you care about most. Lead boldly in that way. I would love to just watch you succeed, uh, and then I'll be the guy highlighting you and, and talking about all your successes and being incredibly proud of the things that, that you're doing. Don't feel like you need to fit into some specific mold. Go out and get after the things that you really want to, and I will give you all the resources to be able to do that. From a supervisor perspective, I think the most important things is an alignment of words and actions. I see a lot of times where there are people that give direction or people say, these are the most important things to me. This is my priority. But then when you get in a stressful situation, all of a sudden something else is important. The things I say are no longer the things that I give direction for uh, or give intent towards. And so it can be very confusing from a subordinate person who wants to get after your goals if there is not, not truly an alignment of both wor- words and actions.
0: So would you consider yourself playing checkers or playing chess? Do you Are you more of a chess player? I want to
1: be. I want to win right and And when I say win, I don't want like me personally to win. I want the United States to win in strategic competition, right? I want us as a country to prevail uh, against our adversaries. And that war is not being fought. It's not going to be won today, right? It, it's not going to be won because we flew one more story today. Uh, it's not going to be won because uh, whatever happened today. It's going to be won because of the things that we do every single day for the next 20 years, for the next 30 years. If we make short-term decisions and people decide and our best people decide to leave the Air Force, that hurts the Air Force. That hurts our country. If we truly want to win, we have to take this long view because we're not winning anything besides maybe a quarterly award if we make short-term decisions. And none of us joined the military to win a quarterly award. We all joined because we love this nation and we want to see our nation succeed and the values that we have succeed. And so those are the things that we must instill and practice and look towards.
0: Some of the things that you're saying is like talent, finding, finding that superpower in, in your airmen, thinking about the strategic long game. We don't think about that, I think, on a day-to-day basis. I don't even think we talk about it uh, as much as we should. That being said, You have a lot of different influences, I think, that kind of make you you. You're dynamic, you're motivational, you inspire others.
1: How'd you get here? What makes you you? The people I surround myself with. Those are the people that have the most influence uh, on me. My parents growing up, my sisters, best friends from middle school and high school, my wife now who... Provides more feedback than anyone else on a daily basis. That's how they do it. It's incredible. And then the people you work with uh, and learn from and observe, I go through life and, and I don't ever have a singularly great idea, right? Nothing I claim that I espouse is because I came up with it myself. Everything I've learned and everything I value, it's because I've related to other people I've surrounded myself with. And I've seen them value something uh, or or describe something. And I said, I feel like that. I'm passionate about that too. I try to be very deliberate about the people I surround myself with to help me become a better person. That's the primary thing that makes me, me. So you see a lot of things
0: in this Air Force. What do you like about it? What do you dislike about the Air Force or maintenance? At the end of your career, you're going to be able to Point where you're going to be able to make decisions for
1: tens of thousands of people, what would you change? We're not bold. Uh, we're not exciting. We're, as a maintenance organization, individually, we're really exciting, creative people. When we are all together and we're all talking about a problem, we're not. Wah, wah. Yeah, we're incredibly boring, right? The solutions we come with are the same ones that we've come up for the past 40 years. And even in a time where there's been no better technology, right? We we all are aware of the technology around us. So many times I hear, "Oh, if this fails, we should go back to paper." Right? We always look to the past for our future successes. And so we're so uncreative as a group uh, and unwilling to do the work to get to that next thing, to, to change the world, to change the aircraft maintenance. But like that, like that's the thing I would want to change. What do you love about it? What do you like about it? We just had a, a maintenance professional of the year. You know, I, I had to get on stage and give people their their awards and those things. And, and there's a moment for for you to talk. And we had the, the hangar doors open here in Okinawa. The sun was just setting over the horizon. What I, what I recognized was here we are in an aircraft hangar that we work in every single day. We ended up pulling an airplane from, you know, a special operations aircraft from the flight line into the hangar to be the, dra- the backdrop to our party. We have uh, an area where where people brought food. They spent all day cooking. People brought you know their own alcoholic beverages to have fun. Uh, and, and when I just went, if you, if you take a step back, right, and and you're like, I'm in an environment where I brought a special operations aircraft as a party favor. All these people are out here grilling food. I'm having the best time of my life uh, with all these people and rewarding it's so like the the things that we accomplish uh over the past year right to just like reflect on on all of that like how many people not in the military uh can just have like access to one friday just deciding to do like we didn't ask anyone right we just decided to do this uh and and it was just amazing to be a part of amazing to watch if if you if you take a step back and and appreciate it uh and so like that that advantage that we have of the, the stuff at our fingertips is what I love absolutely most. So with every ying, there's a yang. What is something you dislike? I mean, as a commander, the thing I hate most is signing paperwork. Paperwork? Oh my gosh! We got right. a fix for that. I yeah, just to, like don't I don't need to sign these things, <laughs> uh, right? I mean, the military provides incredible benefits to people. Right. And and they earn these benefits by being part of the military. So as a commander, why do I need to sign off on every single person using every single benefit? I just want you to go use your benefit. I want you to go buy a car. Right. And so you can be able to drive around, but for some reason I have to sign a paper for that. Right. I want you to go live in a house. Right. But to get your your housing allowance up front, I have to sign a paper for that. How is she supposed to live in a house? These are these Simple things that for some reason need to be routed to your supervisor, to your section chief, to the first shirt, to the chief, to the squadron commander. It takes nine days, 15 days to do this, and they just want to live in a house. They just want to buy a car. What's on your reading shelf right now? I'm still getting through. It's a really long book, but the book I'm getting through is uh, Creativity Inc., uh, which is the story of Pixar. Something I, I wouldn't consider myself a creative person necessarily. Uh, wasn't even a huge, you know, Pixar or or Disney fan, but to listen to their story, how they overcame issues, so much like the issues that we face in aircraft maintenance—from having priorities, having um, supervisors get their own direction, to putting a thousand different puzzle pieces together to get one thing to go. Right in aircraft maintenance, we have to put scheduled maintenance, unscheduled maintenance, back shop, flight line, fuels supply, all this stuff has to come together at, at a single point of one aircraft for that aircraft to be ready to fly. Uh, in, in a movie, right? you're putting the story, you're putting audio, you're putting actors, you're putting this all on a pressure timeline together in a similar way, uh, all to get one single movie. Uh, and you want that movie to be as good as possible, as creative as possible. Uh, and, and from an aircraft, you want it to be as healthy, effective as possible, I've just learned so much from the way that they've viewed problems and tackled problems to be able to start to apply it.
0: What would you tell you when you first commissioned? When you first came in, what is something, a piece of advice that you would say, hey,
1: listen here, check this out? What kind of piece of advice would you give? Value the relationships you have with people more than anything else. Early, you're very much focused on yourself and learning your job and wanting to even understand the conversation going on around you, and and not so much the relationships you make and, and the friends you make. Uh, and what I've started to learn over time is if you're able to build a network that you can maintain over time, there are people out there that have great ideas to solving any problem you may encounter. And in and the larger your network, the larger your ability to pull from their ideas and collaborate together, especially with. The internet, right? Things like Facebook uh, or or group chats, anything else you can use to collaborate. And and I I'm starting to sense like this turn in aircraft maintenance where there's so much more collaboration. The first thing is build that network of the people that you look up to. Stay in contact with them. Email them and and ask how they're doing and how their family's doing for. Both people that you look up to that may be lower ranking or higher ranking. There are plenty of airmen I look up to and I think are incredible uh, that that I aspire to be like. And when I say airmen, it could be an an literal, an airman, an NCO, a senior NCO, a chief, an officer, a colonel, a general. Tell me a memorable maintenance story. One of the most uh, exciting things I've ever done. So you know, oftentimes we, we say how hard aircraft maintenance can be. And I, I had um, just after Korea, so like, you know, you focus on the mission uh, every single day. Uh, I had an opportunity to go to Andrews Air Force Base and serve in the 89th airlift wing. Uh, and there we we fly um, everyone from the vice president uh, to congressmen to secretary of state, uh, right, and upper cabinets of, of the White House. Uh, and I was able to fly with, the, with our flying crew chiefs one time, um, right? And since then, I was like, these flying crew chiefs have the best job in the Air Force. It's the, the best, greatest. It's the best, uh, especially in the 89th Airlift Wing. So if you're a flying crew chief uh, out there, s- apply to the 89th Airlift Wing. It, it will be so rewarding. Uh, and the one flight I got to go on was with the Secretary of State, John Kerry, and we flew from Andrews uh, Air Force Base in Maryland uh, down to Argentina for two nights. So there I was in Buenos Aires, uh, <laughs> you know, staying in the same hotel as John Kerry, eating, you know, Argentine beef with Argentine wine. Oh, yeah. Right. And then so we spent two nights there. And then we left Argentina and flew up to Brazil. Uh, and I was in Rio de Janeiro for the opening of the Summer Olympics. Right. And so right on the street going to restaurants and and at the bar at at Rio uh was just an incredible experience uh and, and I got to do that you know with with the flying crew chiefs and the other air crew that were out there uh, and it was just I, re- I reflect on like the opportunities that the Air Force provides yeah uh, and that was one that I will I will never forget uh to be able to go to South America you know at a time like that uh, and those locations, um and just see the world, right, in that in that environment. That's the world's greatest recruiting pitch for the United States Air Force. I think that it is.
0: A young man from New Jersey who went to Arizona State, who chased his dreams, read some magazines, and ended up with an influential human being from the United States government in Buenos Aires, opened up the Rio Olympics. How how amazing is that? So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your story, some of your background, some of your, the problems that you see. Because I think that the best piece of feedback that I get is when people say, yeah, I feel like that too. Hey, I, I really connected with this show. I really connected with uh, this individual on this, on this point because you're right. It's going to take, you're it. It's going to take this to change it and to, to continuously move us forward. So, we're ready to fight the high end fight. We're ready to take care of people the way that they need to be taken care of. So, thank you for being on the
1: show. Happy to be here. I had such a great time with you, as always. Teammates, again, thank you for listening.
0: If you or anybody you know wants to be a part of the show, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Los AF Hefe. Be happy to have you on the show. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored by the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force, though we may use name ranks and duty titles. This podcast is strictly opinion-based by the member and myself. Cleared off headsets. Los AF out.